Don't touch my jewels. Don't touch my jewels. I said, don't touch my jewels. Hey everyone, this is Juliet, your ever funny and upbeat host of Don't Touch My Jewels. We USA. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and welcome back. This episode, I am not going to talk about any music, even though I was dancing today, but I'm not talking about any music. I'm not giving you any leverage. I am not going to go off the grid because this episode, we got Dr. Anderson, my OBGYN in the house. We are going to talk to Dr. Anderson about menopause and what it really means, what the expectations are, etc., etc. We're probably going to have a part one and two due to time restraint, and hopefully Dr. Anderson will be back on in the future to answer any questions we have. So without any further ado, let's introduce Dr. Anderson. Hey, Dr. Anderson. Hey, Juliet. Thanks for having me. Oh, I can't thank you enough for being here. My audience, as I promised, I wanted to bring the best of the best. So Dr. Anderson is an MD and she's also board certified OBGYN. Just let's run down her qualifications so you all know she know what she's saying. She's an undergrad from Xavier University. Is that in Pennsylvania, Dr. Anderson? No, it's actually a historically black college in New Orleans. Historically black college is also Catholic. Thank you, Dr. Anderson. And she earned her medical degree at the Medical College of Georgia. She did her residency at Washington Hospital Center in Washington, D.C. Is that correct, Dr. Anderson? You got it. Equally important and very important, Dr. Anderson is passionate about helping women understand their bodies as they go through the various stages of their lives. That's where we are. We are going through several stages of our lives and we do need somebody to talk to, mostly on the subject of menopause and whatever else. Dr. Anderson, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for taking the time out to talk to us. But before we get into anything, Probably we want to know, why did you choose medicine and specifically OBGYN? So my journey into medicine honestly began as a very young child. I was probably in the second or third grade when I started talking about becoming a physician. And I think for the most part, I just liked my pediatrician. Um, I don't have any physicians in my family, but I had very encouraging parents who uh, reassured me that, well, if you want to be a physician, you need to be good in science and math. So no. <laughs> I, I took that information and kind of ran with it. But the specific interest in women's health blossomed initially uh, around the time that I was leaving high school and starting college. I went to college knowing that I wanted to go into medicine. And so I applied and um, my focus was biology, pre-med, chemistry minor at Xavier in New Orleans. But I wasn't specifically sure about women's health um, until towards the end of end of high school. And it was just the fascination with our bodies, um, myself as a young woman, um, what was happening with me, um, feeling like I could be an expert in all things female, uh, particularly as it relates to childbearing, um, as it relates to puberty, as it relates to just womanhood and the aspects as we continue to age that affect us 
you know, really from the beginning to the end, ends of our lives. Women are unique and we are beautifully made. Um, and as a result, I think the, the more that I started to consider a career in women's health, it just became really a natural fit for me. Um, with obstetrics and with gynecology, most of us that go into this field like to uh, participate in a lot of different areas in women's health. So um, it's not just babies, a lot of gynecology, it's a lot of primary care, a lot of procedures and surgeries, it's a lot of alternative therapies. There's so many things that are unique to us but, but make women who we are. And one of the greatest gifts for me is to be able to partner with women and help them navigate life as it relates to their bodies, but also just, you know, things that don't even fall into medicine sometimes, just right. the, the, the pure connection and the, the humanity, I think, that comes along with, with the job as a physician, but being able to be a little bit more specific and focus just on women and their needs is pure joy for me. And I'm thankful that you chose that career because, ladies and gentlemen out there, I'm telling you, I've been to doctors and many of them, they just do their jobs. They are not fully vested in or probably enjoying what they do. When I met Dr. Anderson, she was genuinely helpful and concerned as to the problems I was going through with my menopausal symptoms. She gave me the pros and the con, and she was funny about it and serious when she wanted to be. And I just gravitated to her. And I'm sure many of you out there are, are know what I'm talking about when you go to your OBGYN. You don't want it to be cold and distant. You want someone to understand what the heck is going on with you and with your body. And I am so grateful I found Dr. Anderson. I'm a I'm a lifer with you, Dr. Anderson. Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Alrighty. So let's uh, and thank you. Thank you for elaborating your career and your joy, Dr. Anderson. Let's start. I think we and it's not so much an interview, it's a conversation we want to have. Can you explain to our audience what in layman terms what menopause is? And why is it that some women, like myself, go through extreme symptoms, some barely have symptoms, and some, like my aunt, has none? How is that? Doesn't seem fair, does it? No! <laughs> so menopause, by definition, is a point in a woman's life when she stops having her menstrual cycle for a full 12 months or one year. It really, truly is the anniversary date, if you will, of that last menstrual cycle. Once it's a year gone, um, that we can kind of put the put the stake in the ground and say, "Okay, I've hit menopause." Right. Menopause, though, is surrounded with a lot of different symptoms. So many times, women will come to the office or start experiencing symptoms before they hit that one year mark. And if you think about it, it's very similar to when we start our periods, right? As Lane how we start our period and the average young girl will start her period here in the U.S. around 12, okay, seventh grade. Um, averages, though, averages, though, remember, are plus or minus a few years. So there are some girls that may start a little bit before that, and there's some young women that may not start until they get to high school, right? Right. But before you get that first period, what happens? We have 
some body odor that we start to notice. We have some pubic hair that starts to show up. We have underarm hair that shows up. We start to get breast buds. And then usually about two years after you start to see those breast buds in a young girl, the cycle will start. The menstrual flow will occur and she'll have her first period. And the period, again, is that that one day in seventh grade, <laughs> whatever the story looks like when you have your period. And then after that, all of us can think through when we were young girls getting our periods and we would talk to other young girls and you would have some people that instead of starting in seventh grade, may start in the fourth grade. And you have some people that might start in high school. You have some girls that have debilitating symptoms and have to get checked out of school every single month or even stay at home because they have such severe cramps right. and such severe bleeding. You have other girls that barely even notice that they're, that they're bleeding because they don't have many cramps at all or they may just have a day of cramping. You have variations and, and differences in our flow patterns. Also, as you go through your reproductive cycle and you, you enter into reproductive years, um, our stories are always different there as well. Yes, there's some very typical norms, um, but you have women that go through uh, unfortunate chapters, reproductive um, in their reproductive years and can't get pregnant. You have women who... Um, go through their reproductive years and have a lot of miscarriages. And you have other women who can seemingly get pregnant without any issue whatsoever. Um, when you look at our deliveries, you have the majority of women will have, have uh, vaginal deliveries, correct? But right. some women will have to have a C-section. Why is that? We are all different and we all have our own story. And menopause really is no different. So when we enter into our menopause years, the symptoms start for most women anywhere between like five to seven years on average before that one year mark. We can, again, put the stake in the ground and say we're menopause. Um, and those symptoms can then also continue for some women another five to seven years on the back end, okay? Right. And that's variable. Some people, it's, you know, just a couple of years. Some people literally just stop bleeding and they don't have any you know, build up. They don't have any frustrations. You know, I, I, I tell those women that they just stop bleeding and kind of ride on down the road and, and no one knows any different uh, other than them that they stop their period. There's no real sign or rhyme or reason to it other than their body just stops um, bleeding. So we're all different, but we all, you know, if we live long enough, right, right. we'll get to that rite of passage, which menopause is. And that's kind of how I, I view it as a rite of passage. We've made it to the next chapter. Um, and it doesn't have to be scary. It can be a very enjoyable, empowering period in a woman's life if we just talk through it and learn kind of what's happening in our bodies and to some extent prepare for it because we know it's coming. Well, some women don't prepare for it because like myself, um, when I, as you know, I told you when I did my hysterectomy, the doctor told me that there's going to be a possibility of early onset of men pause that didn't mean a darn thing to me i was more concerned about my bikini line you right. know <laughs> so i wasn't prepared and i'm sure many women out there they have different um distractions in their lives no one is ever thinking about growing old even the young people i call them the younglings these days they right. don't think about growing old they right. they they make fun of us oh you old fart or you miserable old something as if they're not going to get old themselves <laughs> What baffled me most when I was doing my research 
I and I found out that some women have, some women don't. And then like my aunt, I cursed her off the line when I was done with her. I cursed her because I'm wondering, was I a bad a bad girl or something to be going through this <laughs> menopausal? And was my auntie a good girl? Is it good, bad? I mean, I, you know, it is so hard to understand that our bodies are different and different things happen. It's hard for us to understand that when we're going through it, you know? Oh my goodness. So ladies, um, it's no fault of ours. It just is what it is. And I hope you'll heed uh, Dr. Anderson's suggestion that we talk through it. It's a transition that we should be happy about and um, honored to live long enough to go through that rite of passage, as Dr. Anderson says. Now, Dr. Anderson, what is the difference between premenopause, perimenopause, and menopause, and I think postmenopause? I forgot about that. So many of them is being thrown around. What are the differences? Premenopause is not really something that of us use in the medical community because, you know, you could argue that we're premenopause from the moment moment that we're born, right? Okay. Um, perimenopause is a more appropriate term and definitely more um, popular because perimenopause, again, peri meaning before and after menopause, okay. perimenopause will encompass a lot of those physical symptoms, emotional symptoms, changes that women will uh, experience as, again, they're leading up to that one-year mark where they stop getting their period. So um, those symptoms also can occur on the back end of menopause, but anything that occurs on the back end of menopause, you can argue is postmenopausal. Okay. Um, so postmenopausal can be interchangeable with perimenopause if it occurs after menopause. But at the end of the day, you know, I try to encourage most of my patients and the women that I encounter not to get hung up so much on phrases and definitions because at the end of the day, this is a quality of life, you know, discussion. This is uh, a moment in time where what, what we're really interested in is not so much always the definition, though it's important when we talk about treatment, but for the most part, we're interested in, again, how do I get to a point where I feel better, where I feel like, you know, this rites of passage that I just talked about is honoring, you know, because it doesn't feel honoring for a lot of us as we go through these chapters. Um, And sometimes we do have to address Um, just what changes occur with our mood um, as we go through this process. There can be, you know, some upheaval of emotions and some things need to come to the surface. Sometimes there is uh, a true mourning that takes place women when they get to this point because it is a chapter that's closing. Um, And that's not always pleasant for some people. Um, I equally have patients that will come in and will be excited that they never have to buy feminine products anymore, that they're done with that <laughs> part of their their life. And you have other patients who come in that are in tears just at the fact that they're going through menopause and won't get their period anymore. They may not be having any symptoms other than the fact that the period hasn't come. Right. And for them, you know, we've, we've, we've placed um, certain value in having that mom flow and it is detrimental for them to see it go so it's very very individual um to everyone but 
at the end of the day, the definition of perimenopause um, and then postmenopause can, in some situations, overlap. Menopause has already gone on. That's the stakeholder. Uh, again, stake in the ground when you've hit 12 months, one year, no period. But perimenopause is a more appropriate term in most situations um, when we talk about the symptoms, you know, that's driving driving us to raise our hand and say, hey, I need, I need help here. Uh, what's happening to me? Right. So, ladies, remember, Dr. Anderson said, don't get caught up with the, the, the labels, pre, peri, post, whatever. It's coming. Be prepared. Be knowledgeable. Be Get information and talk it out. So, it can be a little bit more pleasant for us who is having a challenge. Dr. Anderson, at what age do women typically exhibit symptoms? Good question. So the typical onset, again, here in the U.S., is anywhere between 51 and 52 um, for most women when they will stop having their period for that full year. So menopause, on average, here in the U.S., is 51 to 52. Um, But again, if we remember that symptoms can occur before um, and after, there are some women who will start to experience symptoms as early as uh, their their 40s. Um, anytime uh, in that five to seven year window before their cycle is going to stop. Now, here's something else, Juliet, that right. a lot of women don't realize, and this is one thing that I, I do like to share with women. And when I say this, for for some patients, it it does, you know. Uh, create some discomfort because it's going to be an age that is much younger than most people realize. Um, 35 years of age is designated as advanced maternal age when we talk about pregnancy. Okay. And part of the reason that that age is designated as advanced maternal age is because it's actually the earliest point in a woman's life that she can go through menopause without it being concerning or related to other underlying issues. So what am I talking about? You know, I've taken care of women who have gone through menopause uh, before the age of 35. That's highly alarming, highly unusual. And in those women, if it occurs, we usually are looking at some type of underlying illness that prompted body to enter early menopause. Okay. Um, That can be autoimmune disease. That can be uh, severe forms of thyroid disease. That can be underlying genetics. Some women go through um, cancer therapies and the chemotherapy, uh, you know, knocks out their ovaries a little bit sooner. So so I'm not, we're not going to talk about early menopause today. Okay. But 35, just natural menopause, it can occur as early as 35. I have patients, not a lot of them, but I do have patients that I have had to walk through those uh, uncomfortable moments, honestly, um, that they are entering menopause in their mid to late 30s. That's something, again, that I try to make sure women understand because we're waiting longer and longer for uh, our pregnancies. And sometimes, as a result, women are having more issues and more challenges getting pregnant because their body is already starting to transition um, towards their menopausal years. And there is no good test for us to determine when menopause is coming. There's right. some tests that are in the works that are um, you know, looking at being created. But as it stands right now, we don't have that crystal ball to be able to tell women, hey, you know, you have four more years before your menopausal, five more years. So as a result, um, that's a very important time frame women to understand. However, most of the time, 
we're dealing with perimenopause in the 40s. I typically say mid mid to late 40s is when we typically are going to start having women coming in saying, you know, my cycle's a little weird this month. Uh, and then the, the month before that, it didn't come. And then, no, I'm, I'm also noticing that I'm starting to sweat at night or different symptoms will start to come up right. in those four to five, five to seven years leading up to menopause. Some women, it's on the back end. I have women who don't transition into full-on menopause until they are 57, 58. But 51 to 52 is the average age that you can expect menopause to occur. And um, it's important to just know your body, look at symptoms. We can always have a cycle that's a little irregular. Our bodies give us an amazing reset usually every month right. when we bleed and the cycle starts over. So um, things can, can change. You can have an off month and it not necessarily be cause for alarm um, that menopause is coming. But a pattern of changes um, that you're noticing can be very, very indicative that you're getting to the menopausal mark. Oh my God, you have piqued our curiosity, <laughs> of course. And I know for sure I'm probably going to interrupt your schedule again to ask you because we got to know about this 35-year marker indication. Oh my goodness. We, I would never think of that at all. Yeah. You are, yeah. you are truly educating us on and this. It, and it's important with that, Juliet. Yes. To remember, especially for your left, your listeners. I don't want anyone to hear that and um, and and start to become worried or take take away any any fear as it relates to that. It's very, very uh, small numbers of women who stop bleeding and enter menopause in their mid to late thirties. But it is not impossible. Right. And it is just something that's important um, to know. It's something that, you know, a lot of women don't always talk about what's happening to their bodies. So right. some some women will know that, yeah, my mom actually went through menopause early. And um, this is something that, you know, she talks about. So I'm, I'm kind of not surprised to hear this. Other women um, have relationships with their mothers um, or the women in their family that, uh, is such where, where they don't talk. Some some women have relatives who all had hysterectomies um, and so don't know exactly when they would have stopped bleeding because the uterus gone. Um, it's it's very difficult sometimes to tease out, again, what, what the history is going to look like for each woman. But this is a case where we want to really remind everybody that typically what we're looking at, what we're seeing is going to be the mid to late 40s when you might start having symptoms. 51 to 52 here in the U.S., very common for the onset um, of symptoms and or menopause. Awesome. Listeners, I don't want to have all of this information on one episode for you because this is so interesting and I'm so happy that Dr. Anderson is actually going into details and taking time to let us understand the process. Um, who we are, when it starts, how it's going to start, what we're going through. Uh, stay tuned for our part two. Part two, we're going to go into other symptoms and then what occurred with me so that you know there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Dr. Anderson, you're going to hang on so that we could do a part two for us? Absolutely. Whoa! I'm here for all of it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. So, listeners, take away. Listen to this episode again. There is so much to learn, okay, and, and talk. 
the, the essence is we got to talk about what we're going through in order to get the appropriate help. And for the others out there, no, you're not a bad girl. And for the others who don't have any symptoms, you ain't good either. You know, it's just that our bodies are different. Culturally, we come from different areas. There is just diversity and there is no standard so to speak, as to the symptoms we get and how we get them. As I always say, take care. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the reviews. Stay tuned for part two and see you soon. Music.